Tuesday, February the 8th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden's pipeline pledge and the end for a big chipmaker merger. First, the world in brief. President Joe Biden pledged to bring an end to Nord Stream 2 should Russia invade Ukraine. When pressed to explain how America would halt the controversial gas pipeline, he replied evasively, quote, I promise you, we will be able to do it. Mr. Biden was speaking alongside Olaf Scholz, Germany's new chancellor, who said the two countries were, quote, absolutely united. Earlier, Emmanuel Macron, France's president, held talks with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin, in Moscow to try to defuse tensions. The $66 billion sale of ARM, a British-based chipmaker, to NVIDIA, an American rival, collapsed, the Financial Times reported. Regulators in Britain, the EU and America were all concerned about potential anti-competitive effects, it said. ARM, which makes the chips that power most smartphones, is owned by SoftBank, a mighty Japanese tech investment fund. It would have been the largest ever acquisition in the chip industry. Israel will launch an inquiry into allegations that the police used Pegasus spyware to snoop on politicians, journalists and citizens. It comes after Calculist, a local newspaper, accused officers of using the powerful software created by Israel's NSO group without a court order. Although Israel is loath to regulate its spyware exports, the allegations have caused a stir at home. Meta, Facebook's parent company, said Peter Thiel would step down from its board. A source close to the PayPal co-founder and billionaire investor told news outlets that he plans to help elect Republican candidates aligned with Donald Trump, the former president, in the midterm elections. An early investor in Facebook, Mr Thiel joined the social media firm's board in 2005. America's Supreme Court voted to allow Alabama to hold its midterms using a map that a lower court in the state has ruled to be biased against African Americans. Despite 27% of Alabama's population being black, the Republican-drawn map provides for only one of seven districts in which African Americans form the majority. The Supreme Court may return to the matter after the election. Carrie Lam, Hong Kong's chief executive, vowed to plough on with the territory's quote, dynamic zero COVID-19 strategy, despite a growing outbreak of the virus driven by the Omicron variant. Hong Kong had gone for months without a locally transmitted infection, until a case broke though in late December. Tighter social distancing rules will be announced on Tuesday afternoon, despite howls from business. Frontier Group an American budget airline is buying its rival, Spirit Airlines, in a deal worth $6.6 billion that should close in the second half of the year. The merger will create America's fifth largest carrier, putting pressure on the larger airlines serving the domestic market, the Caribbean and Latin America. The company said the merger could save $1 billion annually, with no layoffs. And fact of the day. 70%, the share of Norwegians who own a pair of cross-country skis.
And now here's today's agenda. Macron's shuttle diplomacy. After his tete-a-tete in Moscow with Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, on Monday, the French president Emmanuel Macron flies to the Ukrainian capital, Kyiv, on Tuesday for the next round of his European diplomatic tour. He will meet with Volodymyr Zelensky, the president, to discuss the crisis on the Russian border before travelling to Berlin. There he will meet the leaders of Germany and Poland. Mr Macron, whose country holds the rotating presidency of the Council of the European Union, wants to give European leaders a voice in their diplomatic efforts to ease tensions on Ukraine's eastern frontier. Mindful that he is often seen as a free-wheeling unilateralist, the French president talked to Western partners ahead of his trip, including Jens Stoltenberg, the Secretary-General of NATO, and President Joe Biden. And to further avoid giving any impression that he might be undermining the transatlantic security alliance with his peace efforts, he is sending French troops to strengthen NATO's presence in Romania. The country shares a border with Ukraine. Peloton's course correction It was a pandemic winner. Seemingly, everyone wanted an exercise bike during lockdown. But Peloton has had a rough ride since restrictions were eased. In the past year, its shares have plunged by about 80%, cropping $40 billion from its stock market value. Reports in January suggested the firm would pause production amid sagging demand. Layoffs were mooted. An activist investor demanded that John Foley, the chief executive, resign. To add insult to injury, two popular American television shows recently featured characters suffering heart attacks while taking a spin. Peloton will explain its attempts to change direction when it reports earnings on Tuesday. Rumours of a sale briefly pushed up its share price by about 30% from its nadir. Last week, news broke that Amazon and Nike are each considering bidding for the firm. Mr Foley and other insiders would probably have to agree to any deal, given the company's dual-class structure and their outsized voting power. Whatever happens, the sweat isn't over yet. North Korea's Missile Program On Tuesday, North Korea celebrates the founding of its armed forces. This year, the military has already had time in the limelight. The country tested more missiles in January than in the whole of 2021, including its first intermediate-range missiles since 2017. The tests, along with a report by sanctions monitors submitted to the United Nations last week, confirm that weapons development continues apace in North Korea. Neither UN resolutions banning ballistic missile tests nor extensive sanctions have stopped it. Nor have two years of border closures intended to keep out COVID-19, successfully the regime claims which have devastated the already ropey economy. There has been no successful international engagement with the hermit country for almost three years. America and its allies are otherwise occupied. That suggests that the world will continue to accept North Korea's missile tests for the time being. The Marcos Juggernaut in the Philippines 
The candidates in the Philippine presidential election due next May started their campaigns on Tuesday, pointless though campaigning may be. Opinion surveys suggest that Ferdinand quote Bong Bong Marcos will win overwhelmingly, emulating his late father, also Ferdinand, in taking power by democratic means. After that promising start, however, the elder Marcos turned out to be a murderous, thieving tyrant and was eventually deposed in 1986 by a popular uprising. Surviving victims of that regime have one faint hope of lawfully stopping his son from becoming president. They aim to have his candidacy disqualified on the grounds that he too is a criminal, convicted of failing to submit tax returns while his father was president. The electoral authority has fumbled the disqualification case, so the Supreme Court will probably decide the matter. Unlike most voters, the judges are old enough to remember life under the elder Marcos and know the dangers of electing a president who flouts the law. The History of Free Speech However well-intentioned they may be, attempts by government and other authorities to restrict the spread of hate speech and fake news on the internet often do more harm than good. So says Jacob Mashangama, a Danish lawyer and free speech activist, in Free Speech, A Global History from Socrates to Social Media, a new book published on Tuesday. Tracing the history of self-expression from classical Greece onwards, Mr. Mashangama finds that bursts of freedom have often been followed by waves of restriction, such as the, quote, free speech recession from which the Western world, in his view, is suffering. Restrictions give an unhealthy degree of power to whoever it is, government or tech giant, that determines the limits of permissible speech, he argues. He cherishes the ideals of Athenian democracy, Isagoria, an equal entitlement to speak for everyone, and Parisia, the right to express even their most outrageous thoughts. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Iris Murdoch, who died on this day in 1999. Writing is like getting married. One should never commit oneself until one is amazed at one's luck. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 